Well, uh, this is our last session. Have you guys been blessed by the word this weekend? I pray you guys have been blessed by the word this weekend. Um, You know, we're going to close out and we're going to talk about the freedom to do what God has called you to do. Um, I love speaking and and one of my favorite things is getting to hug and talk to all of you all and hear what God has been doing. And because of the current crisis and my, uh, on on a lot of a, immunosuppressants, I'm unable to do what I love to do. And so, um, and, and, and I, I think, I pray you guys understand that. I would have been at the tables with you guys in the lunches. I would have been meeting with you guys afterward, but I just had to, you know, protect myself in this time. But I want to hear what God has done. And if you just, if you want to share, please, tianaspencer.com, email me and just let me know. Let me know what God's done. And, it, it, and I'll, I'll respond back like we're sitting face to face, but I do want to hear, and it grieves me that I couldn't this weekend, but just know my heart is to have been all up in this thing with you guys. All up in it, okay? We're going to do one, one last message. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses uh, 12 through 20. We'll start there. It says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. I was 18 years old, uh, ending my freshman year of college, and I started to get um, joint pains in my arms. I was a data entry uh, person at the time, so I was thinking I got tendonitis, that's what they first told me. And so um, I finished up that freshman year, went home, started feeling a little bit better, but I remember there was one, it was a Monday, my thro- I had like a lump in my throat that was so sore, like I, I had to press here to swallow. Um, that was a Monday, and by Friday I couldn't walk. It was that sudden. The pain in my body from top to bottom was unbelievable. I remember being in bed and I couldn't even lift my fingers to to pull up a sheet. I remember being cold and I just wanted to cover myself up. And I couldn't, I couldn't lift my fingers. And we went to the doctors and they were, you know, trying to figure out what was wrong. And they told me at first that maybe it was a bacterial infection. So they were giving me antibiotics. They thought it was mono and they're doing all this kind of stuff. So I was in and out of the doctors uh, for a while. And then we went back to start my sophomore year because I started to feel a little bit better. But as the year started, it just came back. At one point, I was, um, they told me that I probably should consider dropping out of college. And uh, because they couldn't figure out what was going on. Well, there was one night I remember going to dinner. And I went to dinner at the cafe at the college. And I sat next to somebody who I never sit by. We weren't really friends. But he saw that I couldn't hold my fork. My, my hands were um, kind of deformed. Like I couldn't hold my fork. And he said, what's going on with you? And for some reason, I told this guy all my business. I don't know why. <laughs> so I told him, I just said, I, I don't know. 
I'm having all these pains, I'm having all these joints, but I don't know what's going on, but now the doctors are giving me antibiotics, all this stuff, nothing's helping. He said, have you ever looked into um, rheumatoid arthritis? I said, ain't that for old people? <laughs> Forgive me, my seasoned saints who are in the room. I was young, I was young. But he said, no, I have an 18-year-old friend who has it, has it. So I went back to my room that night, and I Googled um, all my symptoms. And I knew that night that I had either lupus or rheumatoid arthritis. I knew it. I also realized that after six months of going in and out of doctors, no one had given me a single blood test. I called the next morning, and I called the doctor. And I said, I need a blood test. I'm demanding a blood test, because it had been six months at that time. I went in and got a blood test and uh, was diagnosed with lupus uh, shortly afterward. Lupus, what it is, I've told you, it's an autoimmune disease. And so what it is is that my body, my immune system can't tell the difference between a good cell and a bad cell. So what it does is it attacks everything, my good cells and my bad cells. So it attacks my joints, it attacks all of that. Isn't it interesting that for six months, all the doctors were trying to do was find what from the outside was coming in to destroy my body. What virus was it? What bacteria was it? That's what they were focused on. When all along, it was my own body actually destroying itself. This is what Paul is addressing in this church of Corinth. Paul is writing to a church he, he planted himself, a church he loved. He's writing to them because their behavior was threatening to destroy them. They had a lot of issues, a lot of division over many things, but in this particular chapter, he's addressing the spiritual gifts. They were allowing these gifts from God to cause so much division amongst them. It was causing them to pit one each other against one another. It was creating this type of superiority in the church, and they were destroying themselves from the inside out. And so Paul is writing, he's telling them, you can't be divided like this. Do you realize what you have? He's saying, you all drunk from the same spirit. You are now one body. And he was telling them that their job was not to let anything disrupt that. Do you know, ladies, that we are one body? Somebody say one body. One body. I'm going black church today. <laughs> if you are a believer and you have trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you've been filled with the Holy Spirit of the living God, meaning not only are we fashioned in his image, but y'all, we house his very essence. And it's been put in us so we can do all that God has called us to do as one body of Christ. That makes us one unified body of Christ. And our job is to make sure no one comes and disrupts that. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 4. He says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Be diligent to guard the unity of the spirit. Our unity is crucial. We have to make sure no one disrupts it. But what happens, church? when we become our own perpetrators. You see, we can talk about the world attacking the church. We can talk about how the culture is attacking the church. But do you realize that just like the Church of Corinth, we too have the potential to destroy ourselves? Somebody talked to me this morning. We like to blame everybody else. But sometimes it's an inside job, amen? Because though we are one body, we are also many parts. Somebody say many parts. And that's where things become tricky because every person that makes up this body comes in with their own set of issues and their own troubles and their own humanity. And so there is a high potential for us to disrupt our own unity without any outside help. Amen. In fact, this is what Paul is alluding to in this passage. He's using this analogy of the body 
to point out these toxic mindsets that we tend to have amongst ourselves that hold us back both personally and ultimately threaten to destroy the unity and perseverance of the body. And the crazy thing is that these mindsets we're going to see in a few minutes are so embedded in us that oftentimes, without even realizing it, they show up in everything we do. So I want to talk about it this morning, if that's okay. I want to talk about the mindset of insufficiency, the mindset of inefficiency, and the mindset of unnecessity. I may or may not have made up that last word, but it rhymed. <laughs> Let me pray. God, I thank you. We are here. One last time gathered under your word. Would you speak? Your daughters are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to be set free to do all that God has called us to do, amen? To do our part in the body of Christ. The first thing that threatens to destroy the unity of the body of Christ is the mindset of insufficiency. 15, verse 15 says, now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, stop right there. I'm gonna stop right there because I believe many of us are stuck right there. Living life obsessed by what we are not. Because I am not a hand. Living life obsessed by what we are not. I'm not a hand, I'm not a singer, I'm not a teacher, I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm not this. We are living life obsessed by what we are not. Now listen, this is huge. Because in order for you to see what you are not and become so obsessed with it, you had to first look to see what you were and then make a conscious decision to say, it's not good enough. I'm trying. Keep coming with me. It's not good enough. Do you, that's what we're doing. We say, oh, I'm not that. We have to look at ourselves and say, it's not good enough. God, what you put in me is not good enough. God, your masterpiece is lacking. It's not, it's not complete. This is what we're saying. Now, we would never actually say that to God, but if we are honest, a lot of us feel slighted, like we got the short end of the stick. Can anybody be honest with me in the room? Have you ever been there? We got the short end of the stick. We have all struggled with this at some point or another, this mindset of insufficiency, of thinking I am not enough because I am not something else is easy, especially nowadays with social media. The enemy is having a field day. Y'all, we have become professional virtual stalkers. Think about it, all day long we are staring at people's lives. For some of us, it's our best skill. <laughs> and as we're doing it, it surfaces in us all this discontentment with what the Lord has or has not done for us. It's all we can see. We're looking at it all day long. But here's the thing, now, now we've gotten smart enough to realize that, and so now the popular thing to do is to take a social media break. Who's on a social media break in here right now? <laughs> Listen, I'm on a break too. I'm not judging, okay? So it, it, it's, it's popular to take a social media break now. But here's the thing, ladies. Getting off social media does not fix the problem. It just removes the mirror. That's it. It removes the mirror. And maybe social media is not, not your thing. Maybe that's not what is, what, maybe there's another mirror in your life, something else that surfaces a discontentment with your life. You're constantly running from. Maybe it's the, the, the marriage, you're single, and, and seeing married couples, it surfaces, it's this mirror for you, and it surfaces discontentment in your life. Maybe you, you want kids, and you see people with kids, and it surfaces this discontentment in your life. There's, whatever it is, we're constantly running from it, and we're not dealing with it. You guys, at some point, we have to decide to stop running from these mirrors 
And we have to decide that we are going to stare these mirrors in the face and take every single thing they surface to the feet of Jesus. That's hard. Because if we don't, though, the tragedy is that we'll be so busy staring at all that we aren't that we'll end up missing out on all that we are. That's been my story. I've shared a lot of my business this weekend. And part of it is that I am a runner. I'm just talking to Megan about this. I'm a runner. If something is, if I get confronted with myself, my past, what I do is I'm like, I, I'm out of it. I'm done. <laughs> like it, when, in social media, if I see jealousy servicing, let me shut it off. If I, if I friendships, if I, if I see, you know, things happening there causing me to compare myself, I'll mentally check out. Uh, anybody else been there where you just like, I'm just turning and I'm turning. It's like I'm pivoting like crazy because I don't want to come face to face with myself. We're <laughs> doing the dance. <laughs> because I don't want to come face to face with myself. And we all do this. But I'm going to say it. It is a theme this weekend. God never surfaces things to shame us, but to heal us. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. And we got to become the place where we actually begin to take these mirrors and say, I'm going to do the work. Yes, take the break. But while you take the break, do the work. What did it surface in you? Do the work. God, now I want to bring this to you. I'm not just going to run away from it. I'm going to bring it to you. I'm going to go sit with my therapist. I'm going to go talk to my pastor. I'm going to sit in prayer. I know this thing is surfacing me, and I know it's because you want to heal it in me. So let me bring it to you. I had to do that. Oh, I'm still doing that because this stuff still comes up, this feeling of just not being enough and warring with them in prayer, not feeling, comparing myself to other people. And God says, you can't do that. Paul is saying this, this type of mindset will destroy the church. It will destroy our unity if we are constantly looking at each other and saying that I'm not enough because I'm not them. And the beauty about this, y'all, is that we don't even have to be enough. Did y'all hear that? That should set somebody free this morning. We don't have to be enough. I think about Jesus in the wilderness and the enemy came and said, turn this bread into stone. And, <clears throat> but listen to what the enemy says when he's saying that to him. He said, if you're the son of God, prove it. Turn the stones into bread. Pro- pro- provide for yourself. You don't need anyone else. You got it all on your own. Pro- prove that you're somebody. Prove that you're somebody. Now I want you to realize that Satan knew who Jesus was, obviously. This is not about Satan getting Jesus to prove his deity. This is about Satan getting Jesus to want to prove his deity. Getting him to want to prove that he is somebody. And how many of us are tempted to, in that same way? Tempted to prove that we are somebody. We walk into rooms tempted to prove that we are enough. Walk into conversations tempted to prove that we are enough into relationships. Because we're believing the lie that we have to be somebody. We have to be as good as them. We have to be enough. But what I love about Jesus is that he did not believe the lie that he had to be enough. He lived from his belovedness, so he did not have to prove himself to be somebody. In fact, when he was tempted to try to be enough in his own, not only did he resist the temptation, but he refused the desire. He says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What does Jesus say? He says, even if I were to turn the stone to bread, it wouldn't be enough. He's nothing I do, can do in my flesh. This is God saying there's nothing I can do in my flesh would make me enough. I need him. We all need him. He is giving us an example of how we are supposed to posture our lives before him. I need every word that comes from his mouth. I need him to fill me, to nourish me, to sustain me. I need his sustaining power, not my own. In other words, Jesus is saying, it's not about me. I don't have to prove that I'm somebody in this moment. Do y'all see that? It's not about me. I don't have to prove that I'm enough because it's not about me. And Jesus is, I don't want it to be. I love that he was free in that moment to not have to prove that. 
And that's the difference between a lot of us, because many of us, we want it to be about us. We want the glory of being enough all on our own, because someone told us that we weren't. And so in order to medicate that pain, we spend our lives trying to prove that we're enough, instead of just proving that he's enough. Amen. He's enough. All I got to do is be me. I don't need to be the, be the foot. I, I'm a hand. I'm going to be good at being a hand. I, 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 all I have to be is available. The mindset of insufficiency, we have to get at it. Amen? Second mindset. Second mindset. Because if you don't believe who, you said, who he said you are, you, you will never be able to do what he's called you to do. You need to understand that. If you don't believe who he said we, if we don't believe who we said he is, who he said we are, we'll never be able to do what he's called us to do. Second mindset is the mindset of inefficiency. 15. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. I want you to see what Paul is doing here. He's painting a picture of the irrationality that comes from not knowing who you are. He says, the foot cannot say that because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. Paul's saying he can't say that. It sounds ridiculous when we say it out loud, right? He's saying you, you, you can't say that. Why? Because it's illogical. We know that, right? It's illogical to think that just because you don't play one part, it automatically means you don't play any part. Why? Why is it illogical? Because just because you aren't one thing that you want to be, that does not mean that you could declare yourself useless. Do y'all hear that? Yes. Yet that's what we do. Most of us are doing, because we've gotten into the mindset that I am nobody, we then live as though we have nothing to offer. Because I'm not a hand, I have nothing to offer. In other words, we declare ourselves useless. And you need to hear that a mindset of uselessness will always lead to a lifestyle of carelessness. A mindset of uselessness will always lead to a lifestyle of carelessness. You'll be careless with your dreams. Careless with your ambitions, careless with the way you speak about yourself, careless with the way you think about yourself, careless with how you receive truth about yourself. You guys, we do not care for things we deem useless. Am I right? Amen. When something is useless, we treat it as such. So I want to ask you, how have you been treating yourself lately? Have you declared your gifts useless because they are not what you would like them to be? Just because a foot says it's not part of the body, that does not mean it's part of the body. No. The foot, for some reason, is just speaking nonsense about itself. Just like you. It, just because you say you are useless, it does not mean that you are actually useless. For some reason, we are speaking nonsense, thinking nonsense about ourselves. It absolutely makes no sense. Am I right? Yes. There is still purpose in you, even though you're not the hand. There's still purpose in you. There is still use in you. Look at verse 17. It says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smelling be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just where he desired them to be. He wanted you to be exactly what you are. He, somebody received that. He wanted you to be exactly who you are. Whatever God has put in you, it was intentional and by design. This word desire, when it says it, where, where he desired them, this word desire means God's best offer to someone willing to act on it. Everything he put on you, 
It's his best offer if you're willing to act on it. It's his best offer if you're willing to act on it. You guys, I don't want you to think, and I'm, and I'm speaking about living in your gifts, that because I'm up here teaching that this is not something that I struggle with, because it is. Um, the shame tape that's always played in my head is who do you think you are? Anybody else have that tape or is it just me? Who do you think you are? I have been teaching Bible since I was 14 years old in some form or fashion. It just, God has always just elevated me to teach. I've just had a love for the Word of God ever since I got saved. When I felt God call me to preach, I, uh, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? No one's going to listen to you. No one wants to hear what you have to say. You do not know. You're not as good as so-and-so. Why do you think you can get up there and do something like that? That's a shame tape that's been played over and over again to the point to where, do you know why I'm preaching right now? Not because I just decided to step out on faith. My pastor made me. <laughs> okay? I promise you, he forced me. I didn't have a choice. I was at his house, and he said, I'm putting you up to preach, because he saw the gift in me. He said, I'm putting you up to preach in a couple months. He's not a guy you say no to, so I, I said, okay. I went home, I told my husband, no, I'm not. I'm not, he lost his mind. I went off in my house. In my house, I went, I was I'm not doing that. I was like, I can't do that. Now listen, I know I've had this gift in me. I know that this is a gift that God has supernaturally placed in me, but in that moment, the shame tape said, who do you think you are? But yet, I stepped into faith, because I had no choice, and God showed up and he met me in it. And now I'm off, I'm acting, I'm living in God's best offer for my life. Do you understand? God's best offer to you is on the other side of your obedience. God's best offer to you on the other side. You may not feel like it's God's best offer. You may be saying, how is this God's best offer to me? Can I encourage you? Start acting on it. Start acting on it and watch God meet you in it. Whatever it is that God has equipped you with, whatever it is that God has put inside you, start acting on it out of obedience and watch God do what he said he would do. You are not useless. There is purpose for you. And don't act on it just for you. Do it for us too. Why? Because we need you. We need you. See, the last Mindset that they're to destroy the church is a mindset of unnecessity. He says in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. You are necessary. You are necessary. But this third toxic mindset that threatens a unity is the belief that you aren't. But you guys, we are one body. Meaning you not loving who you are affects all of us. You not functioning in all that God has called you to do, a function, it affects all of us. You're necessary. But the thing is that it's hard for us to actually believe that, isn't it? Am I, is, is it hard for anybody to say it's hard to believe that it's necessary? I'm necessary. I mean, you sure, you sure you may be able to believe, get me to believe that, that, that I'm enough or, or that I may be able to get me to believe that I'm useful or that I have a purpose. Maybe you can get me to believe that I'm a purpose. I have a purpose, but necessary? 
There's enough people. My gift doesn't really matter. There's enough people doing what God's come to do. Is it necessary? Because this is the thing. Because we know in our heads, I think, it becomes easy for us to, to, um, to think that we know things just because everything is useful doesn't mean it's necessary, right? You can have things that are useful, but they're not necessary. Am I right? Like my husband loves Marvel movies. <laughs> they're useful, I guess, for mediocre entertainment. And forgive me a lot of alone time while he binges on them all the time, but, but are they necessary? Right? Like, uh, they, someone say, yes, you, you are like my husband. He would say they're necessary. Ah, you know, that's debatable. That's debatable. Um, so we, but logically, the point is we know that because something is useful doesn't make it necessary. And so because of that, we know it becomes easy for us to adopt a mindset that recognizes our purpose, but negates our responsibility. Did y'all hear that? We can easily adopt a mindset that recognizes our purpose, but negates our responsibility. God, I know you put this thing in me, but I don't have to You, They'll be fine without me. Someone else will do it, and someone else can probably do it better anyway. Listen, no one can do what you do the way that God has created you to do it. I'm going to say it one more time. Nobody can do what you can do the way that God created you to do it. So yes, we specifically need you to stand up and be all that God created you to be. We need you. You are indispensable. Paul says, I don't care if they seem to be weaker. Everyone's indispensable. You see, the problem is that for so long, we have equated visibility with necessity. And the two are not related. Your visibility does not determine your necessity. God does. And God determines, and he said, everyone is necessary. Everyone is necessary. In order for his body to work the way it's supposed to work, everybody must be believing that they are who he said he are, that they can do what he said he can do, and that they actually will do it. And this is important because we have work to do, church. Come on, especially in this world today. We have work to do. Together, as the body of Christ, we have work to do. We don't have time to be stuck in these toxic mindsets that are paralyzing us from showing up in the earth. Believe, I believe that a necessity that negates its responsibility could easily become a liability. Someone needs to hear that. A necessity that negates its responsibility can easily become a liability. In 2012, I started noticing my ankles swelling off and on. And shortly after, I noticed that my legs were swollen as well. I was swollen from like my waist down. And I went in to go see the doctor uh, with my husband and kids. And when I got there, a nurse took my vitals. She took my blood pressure. She looked at me and she said, ma'am, are you feeling okay? And I told her, yes. I said, I'm a little tired. But other than that, I'm okay. Fast forward, I, I end up getting some medication changes and, you know, all that stuff. And I get home, I called my mom, and I told her the blood pressure numbers. I wouldn't get to that stuff. So she told me, go to the hospital. And I was like, ah, I don't need to go to the hospital, but she's mom. So I said, okay, I'll go to the hospital. Dropped my kids off of her, and my husband took me to the hospital. Got to the hospital, and after hours of waiting, they took me back into the room. The nurse took my blood pressure, and she looked at me. She said, ma'am, are you feeling okay? And I said, yeah, I'm just tired. You know, why does everyone keep asking me that? Anyway, they, they took some blood work, and before you know it, my room was swarmed with doctors and nurses. They told me, 
your blood pressure is in stroke range. And we have to get this down right now. They told me you have so much potassium in your blood, your heart could stop at any minute. They said your red blood cell count is so low that we have to transfuse, give you a blood transfusion right now. Man, you have to stay. And I remember being so confused. Everything went downhill so quickly. I was just fixing my kids' lunch the day before, hanging with them like normal, and now my whole world was crashing. After a few hours, we found out, the doctor came in and he said my kidneys were failing. He said they were only functioning at 40% at the time. So all of this chaos was happening in my body because of a kidney. Because of a kidney, one that was unseen and could be probably considered unimportant. And yet this one organ had the potential to make all my other organs fail, all because it was not doing what it was created to do. Do you understand where I'm going here, ladies? I don't care if you think that you were just a kidney. You have work to do. I, take it from me, okay? And the body of Christ is depending on it. We have to get out of these mindsets that my little part doesn't mean anything because it does. The whole body needs to function. So I don't care if you think that you are not enough or you think that you don't have whatever the other person has. The body of Christ is depending on you standing up and doing and being all that God has called you to be. You guys, we need healing. We need to get free from these toxic mindsets that have been keeping us down. We need to get free from being depressed about what God didn't give us so that we can begin to live into all that he did give us. We need healing. Give me one second, brother. <laughs> when I first got to the hospital, they were hooking me up to all these wires and stuff. A nurse came to me. She asked me a simple question. I'll never forget this. She grabbed my hand and she said, honey, what took you so long to come in? And I looked at her. She said, why did you wait till it got this bad? And I looked at her and I said, I felt fine. I felt fine. And she said something to me that I will never forget for the rest of my life. She said, oh, sweetie, you've been sick so long, you don't even know what healthy feels like anymore. Church, I fear that we as the body of Christ have been sick so long that we don't even know what healthy feels like anymore. My fear, ladies, is that because of these individual insecurities, we have been functioning at 40% for so long that we don't even know what a healthy church would look and feel like anymore. But I wonder what would happen, ladies, if I had some believers, some ladies right here under the sound of my voice who were tired of being used as the, as the enemy's punching bag and were really to stand with me right now and declare that I will be all that God has called me to be. I wonder what would happen if I had some ladies right now willing to stand with me who say they are tired of being done with the schemes of the enemy and the tactics of him, and they were ready to stand right now and declare that devil, you are a liar and you have no authority over my life or the assignment God has given me. I wonder what would happen, church, if I had any ladies in this room who wanted to make a decision to stop believing the lies of their enemy that declares them worthless, but were ready to stand and declare that I am somebody, I am full of purpose, and I am fully necessary right here and right now. Do you know what would happen? Look around. Look around right now. This is what would happen. 
Because this is what happens when the body of Christ rises to become all that they have been called to be. We become one mighty army, united in the power of the Holy Spirit, and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We are one body. We are one body, many parts. Come on, say it with me. We are one body, many parts. We are one body, many parts for His glory. Amen. 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 Be released, ladies. Let me pray. God, I pray right now every woman standing in this room. God, we rebuke the lie. We speak against every lie of the enemy that has told her that she's not important, that her gift doesn't matter, that she has been overlooked and she has been overseen. God, I pray right now that every woman in this room would feel so seen by the God of heaven and earth, that you would realize that you have been equipped with everything that you need everything that you need to be able to do and be all that God has called you to be. God, I pray for healing of these insecurities, of these mindsets, of these wounds. God, I pray that you would bring the therapists, that you would bring the pastors, that you would bring the counselors, God, so that your church can begin to live into being all that you call them to be. God, I speak freedom. Freedom over every woman in this room. God, you're good. God, you're faithful. God, we trust you with our story. Give us the courage, God, to live how you called us to live, to be who you called us to be, and to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ladies, it has been an honor. It has been an honor serving you this weekend. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.